in a barn of sorts. Oh, you've been listening to the local gossip, haven't you, about the birth of my son, Jesus? You heard he wasn't really my son? Well, naturally speaking, he's not my son. But God gave him to me to raise as my son. Let me start this story from the beginning. The birth of Jesus took place like this. My name is Joseph, and I was then, as I am now, the village carpenter here in Nazareth. And like all small towns here in Nazareth, everybody knows everybody, and everybody knows everybody else's business, if you know what I mean. At that time, I was engaged to Jesus' mother, Mary. It was that final stage of the engagement where we were legally bound to one another, but we weren't living together as husband and wife. All I had to do left to do that was just to bring her to my home. Well, one day Mary came by the carpenter shop and uh, told me that she had gotten word that her relative, her cousin Elizabeth, who lived with her husband Zechariah in the hills of Judea, she had heard, gotten word that Elizabeth was six months pregnant. I couldn't believe it. How could this be? Everybody knew Elizabeth was barren. And besides that, she was way too old to be having babies. If this was true, this is like Abraham and Sarah all over again. Well, Mary has this way of getting me to do things she wants to do. And so I agreed it was okay with me for her to go visit her cousin Elizabeth. She left the next day and was gone for three whole months. That was a long time. I really missed her a whole lot, but I wasn't worried because I figured she was taking care of, you know, helping take Elizabeth take care of the new baby and do those kinds of things. So I wasn't worried at all. At the end of that three-month time, Mary came home to Nazareth. And the whole village was in shock, and no one more than I because Mary was pregnant. I was, felt betrayed and hurt and angry all at the same time. I couldn't even look at her. How could she do this? Did she have a secret lover? I immediately dismissed that because I knew Mary to be a godly and trustworthy and faithful woman. So I decided I'll give her the benefit of the doubt. Maybe on her journey to the Judean hills, she had been assaulted by a robber. And the reason she was gone so long was because she was ashamed to come home. But Mary just remained silent and didn't give any explanations. The next day, she came to the carpenter shop. And she told me she wanted a chance to explain in private. And she said she would tell me how she learned of Elizabeth being pregnant. She said that God sent the angel Gabriel to her. And he greeted her and said her greetings, you most favored one, the Lord is with you. And as she was wondering about this greeting, he told her, don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And you're going to conceive and give birth to a son. 
and you're to call Him Jesus. He will be great and will be the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to Him the throne of His father David, and He will rule over the descendants of Jacob forever, and His kingdom will never end. And Mary said, she said to Him, well, how's this going to happen? Because I'm a virgin. And the angel told her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One, Holy One, the child to be born, will be the Son of God. And even now, your cousin Elizabeth is in her sixth month. The one who everybody thought was unable to conceive is going to have a baby. Because nothing is impossible with God. And Mary told me, she told the angel, Here I am, the servant of God. Let your words to me be fulfilled. And she says, in that moment when she gave her consent to be God's chosen instrument, that she felt within her body that she had indeed conceived. And then the angel departed from her. Now my first thought when she told me that was, Mary has lost her mind. She must have been assaulted by a whole band of robbers, and the shock of the ordeal has driven her insane. I told Mary I wanted to trust her. I wanted to believe her, but I needed time to think and pray about this situation. And I did that. I spent a lot of time in thought and prayer. I wanted to do what God wanted me to do. I wanted to do what was right in His sight. But somehow I just couldn't, I thought I couldn't finalize the marriage with Mary. What would everybody think? Already the whole village was buzzing with gossip. I couldn't walk down the street without hearing whispers behind my back. I wanted to please God and be obedient to His law. And that left me with only two options. To either have Mary stoned to death or to divorce her. Now, I didn't want to see Mary disgraced in a public trial and then stoned to death. I still love Mary a lot. Even, even Even though she looked like she was pregnant with another man's child, I still loved her. So I didn't want to see her disgraced in public, and I didn't want to see her dead. So I decided what I would do, I would divorce her quietly. That way, I would still have my good standing and my reputation would be saved, and Mary's life would be spared. And maybe she could go somewhere else and start life all over again where no one knew her. So that's what I decided to do. But God gave me a third option I hadn't thought of. That night, after I'd made this decision to divorce Mary, I went to sleep and I had a dream. And in my dream, an angel of the Lord appeared to me. And he said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. For what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. 
and you are to name Him Jesus, for He will save His people from their sins. I woke up and I wondered, is this really God speaking to me? Is this really what God wants me to do? Or had my conversation earlier with Mary so troubled my mind that I'm having angels appear to me in my dreams? I didn't know what to do. What was I to do? Was it really God or not? I wondered until the next Sabbath. As is my custom, I went to the synagogue on the Sabbath and it just so happened Coincidentally, it was my turn to read the Scripture. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to me. And I began to read aloud. And I came to that part where God says through His prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. And they will will call Him Emmanuel. Emmanuel, God with us. In that moment, as I read God's Word, read the promise of Emmanuel, I knew in my heart that God indeed had come to me in my dream and told me to marry Mary. I knew that Mary was telling the truth. God had sent His angel to her that the child that she was going to give birth to was God's Son, the Messiah, who would save God's people from their sins. So I was obedient to what the angel told me to do, and I took Mary home to be my wife. But we had no marital relations until after she had given birth to a son, and I named him Jesus. And thereby naming Him, I claimed Him as my very own Son. Jesus wasn't born here in Nazareth. He was born in Bethlehem. Emperor Augustus sent out a decree to the whole Roman Empire that everyone was to be registered. There was to be a census. And everyone was to go to their ancestral home. So Mary and I went to Bethlehem, the city of David, because I am of the lineage and house of David. It was a very long journey because of Mary's condition. She simply couldn't travel that far or that fast in a single day. So by the time we got there, Bethlehem was just overflowing with people. There were so many people there, we couldn't find a suitable place to stay. Not in the inn, not anywhere. The only shelter we could find was a cave that had been carved out of the hillside for a stable. And so Mary gave birth to Jesus there in that stable. She wrapped Him in the customary swaddling cloths, and she laid him in a manger for his cradle. A manger just like this one. And every time I make one of these a manger, I think back to those days. I think back to those days when God called on us to submit to His will 
in every way he commanded us to. And because Mary and I submitted to God's call in our lives, we have suffered and risked lots. We suffered, we suffered being the topic of malicious gossip and rumors. We suffered the loss of our good reputations and standing in the community. Mary even risked her very own life to bring God's Son into the world. But because we submitted to God's call in our lives and were obedient to Him, God's Son came into the world. God's Son came to be the Messiah and the Savior to save His people from their sins. You know, I like making things out of wood. I love my work in making things out of wood. I think I know a little bit what God felt like when He created the world and all in it. And he, God made the whole universe and He stood back and said, this is very good. And even though I like making things out of wood, I don't like making these. The centurion said he was going to come pick this up this afternoon. And even though he pays me very well for making these, I'd rather not have to do that. I don't know. How could any good come from a man dying such a cruel death on the cross? Only God knows. think about what that leads to is an amazing thing. I don't know whether or not you truly believe that what you read in Scripture or whether or not you truly believe in Christ, but when you think about what God calls us to do, very little of it usually makes sense. It's usually out there. It's usually very difficult. It's usually hard to rationalize in a sane mind all the things that God may call us to do and things that He may call us to give up in our lives. But one of the things you look at is if you believe God's Word and if you believe the story of Christ, you have to look at the simple fact of that the Holy Spirit came on a woman and she was impregnated to give birth. Something impossible. Something that just does not make sense. Something that the world cannot rationalize. And for you in your heart, if you can believe that, you should believe that. And if you can believe that, that the Holy Spirit is powerful enough to do that in Mary 2,000 years ago that the Holy Spirit can do a miraculous work in your life to do something to change you, to shape you, to mold you, to grow in Jesus Christ in ways that you may think is impossible right now. But the question is, is whether or not we'll step out on faith and believe that God is able to do even what we think is impossible.
Let's pray together. Yes, sir. We can do that. If you would like to stand this morning as we get ready to pray and dismiss, if you feel led, if you would like to come down to the altar and pray, there's one down here on, the, on your left-hand side, and we encourage you to do that. But I'm going to ask you guys to stand, and we're going to pray, and we'll let you guys dismiss. Father in heaven, we just want to say thank you so much again for this beautiful day. Father, thank you for sending your one and only son into the world as a baby to suffer and to die for each and every single one of us. What an amazing and beautiful gift. Father, I pray that you would touch our hearts and lives today. Lord, as we go home and we continue to celebrate, that God, you would speak into us. Lord, you would help us to change, help us to have faith in you, to trust in you. And Lord, to just continue to give you our hearts and lives every single day. Jesus, we love you, and we thank you for being our best Christmas present ever. We ask all this in your precious and holy name. And all God's people said, amen. You're dismissed. Thank you. Merry Christmas.